The following podcast is presented by Secret Room Multimedia. somebody clean that up you're listening to fairpoint i'm rorschach and i am dr jonathan osterman today's topic overrated comic some would say graphic novel liberal hipsters there are the same amount of atoms in a good comic as there are a bad comic structurally they are identical i do not see any difference you're losing touch, man. You're drifting away, Doc. If only, if only you could you perceive things the way, the way I, perceive I perceive them, them then, then maybe, maybe you would understand. understand. If, you, if you haven't guessed, today's topic is Watchmen. Watchmen. Smiley face comic. Oh, I thought you were just like, <laughs> Watchmen. Smiley face. I'm happy. Like Exclamation you, points. You couldn't express your emotion Four, in another five. way. five. Yes, we're continuing Listener Appreciation Month with James's request, The Watchmen. Thanks, James. Uh, you kind of gave us an out because we we're bound to do this one eventually. Yeah, Watchmen was a really awesome comic book that uh, gets tons of critical acclaim, and it's, it's really cool. We Deservedly def- so. We suggest you read the comic. We're going to spoil the fuck out of it. We don't want to ruin that for you. But we just in case you were just so stubborn and you, you won't read it, we're going to give you a good sum, summarization of what it's about and all that, you know, or in case it's been a long time since yeah, you have read and it. Yeah, even and uh, even if you refuse to read comics, that's not your thing, check out the movie. It was, it was done really well, and it's fairly close adaption. It's probably the closest adaptation that you've ever seen like whether it's good or bad for better or worse it follows it pretty fucking close we're gonna talk about that and when it does and when it doesn't a little later right but about all that shit later but the key point of this right now is spoiler alert for the whole topic yes seriously and not even the whole topic apparently allegedly nathan's gonna spoil some news for us, too. Yeah, there's going to be some spoilers in the news, too. We're handing off the news, though. Me and Craig need a break. We're actually going to take a break. Let a couple other people do the news for us. Ah, we've done enough. And then we'll be back. You know, it went well with Guy Fox. I used the word well it, loosely. But, are you uh, sure? <laughs> you know, so he's figure... still buzzing me and texting me constantly when he's going to be invited back to do that. And I just don't have the heart to tell him Fox News was, was a bust. Didn't test well. Didn't but, test uh, well. But may- maybe these two yahoos can get it together and do it right. Yeah, just a heads up. We are going to spoil 
the ending, possibly, of Batman Arkham Knight. Allegedly. Yeah, and it's not even, like, it's not a definite thing. It's like a, hmm, like, you know, you'll, you'll get to it in the, uh, in the news, but I'll pop back up to let you know when to skip ahead, just in case you don't want it spoiled for you. Very thoughtful of you, Nathan. Yeah, so we'll see you back here for the topic right after the news. I am Dr. Jonathan Osterman, and this is a news article that I perceived. This one from present. What you call the present is not relative to me. Hearn. While looking looking into the reaches reaches of the the far-distant galaxies, galaxies, NASA NASA astronomers have discovered two planets planets that so far far are the most closely closely related related to Earth Earth yet. Same amount of atoms. No difference. Actually... Ah, Everybody laugh. I said a funny... Actually, Walter... That's not my name! They aren't the same amount of atoms, because while they are closely related, they are still different. You have a very strange sense of humor. One is just 10% smaller than what you would call Earth, and it would hold a recorded average temperature of 140 degrees Fahrenheit. It collects 40% more energy from its star than we do from our sun, and it has been said that it is possible for bacteria to live and thrive in that kind of climate. The other planet, Kepler-442-B, is 34% bigger than Earth, but it only receives 60% of the energy, therefore making its climate approximately 0 degrees Fahrenheit as the average temperature. Great news. All the rich left-wing intellectuals toast their glasses. Everybody happy. Down here, dead dog, still in my fucking alley. Excuse me. Shouldn't use profanity. Unseemly. Phonetically, there are the same amount of letters in a swear word as there are in any other word. I don't understand. Big news. Comic news. IDW, publisher of such nostalgic drivel as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, Godzilla, Transformers, and more has recently acquired Top Cow Publishing. When one publisher acquires another, is there any real change, or is it still the same structure? Now can do multiple crossovers with Witchblade and the X-Files. Moving on, picked up some more comic book news. Down at the same spot, had to break some fingers, but got the scoop. Does that that seem seem like a practical practical way of acquiring acquiring this knowledge? knowledge? Works. Benedict Cumberbatch cast as Doctor Strange in upcoming film adaptation. Now all the teenage girls and Sherlock fans can sleep well in their penthouses (laughs) that their likely communist pop icon will be portraying one of comic books' most beloved heroes. This movie movie will open to critical critical acclaim. acclaim. Possible plot to discredit. Masked heroes must investigate further. Something's Something's blocking blocking me from seeing anything anything further into this. The possibilities include tachyons or own self-repression. I cannot be sure. 
Hey guys, Nathan from the future, just letting you know like I said I would, this is about the time when we start talking the Arkham Knight spoiler, that's the Batman video game spoilers, if you don't give a shit, keep listening, otherwise just go ahead and skip to 12 minutes and we won't bring it up again, we'll start talking Watchmen. You were warned. And finally, Batman Arkham Knight, next gen game, pretty graphics, fan service. Very anticipated game in the fan community. When I was merely a human, I delighted in the likes of Batman. I see no use for him now. Amazon posts pictures of Special Collector's Edition. Features shoddy Batman statuette. The plaque at the bottom reads, In memory of our Gotham Knight. Implying death of character at end of game supports mass killer theory <laughs> what <laughs> move over doc i have to get in on this are you serious uh yeah apparently the statue that comes with the game god my throat feels so much better now uh says um yeah, in memory of our Gotham Knight or something. That better be some kind of like ploy, man. That how can you like? Well, Rockstar, I guess, had him take the pictures down and everything, but damage is already done. Oh, uh, man, but I mean, it. okay, let's put it this way: that comes with the special edition bundle, correct? So even if you didn't see all these pictures, you just knew there was a statue of Batman when you brought the game home and finally bought it on release day and pull it out and look at the statue before you play the game. You're gonna be like, hey. He dies? <laughs> Why would they give me this? Maybe he dies. Maybe it starts out with him supposedly dead or something. Or maybe he fakes his own death. Yeah, and, uh, maybe he like fakes you his know, death and then pulls a Christian back. Bale ending. He, he pulls a Christopher Nolan. Rockstar would go well, that no, route, right? no, not ending. I'm saying maybe that's how it starts. No, but maybe it's also... Or it could be how it ends. He fakes his death. Yeah, I know. We already... <laughs> Or he's really gunned down, just like his parents. But I'm saying, just entertain the idea for a minute. The last game in the series was a prequel. Right. So it's been a while since they've progressed the story. Right, so the last one was at Arkham City. So maybe there was a time when he faked Batman's death beforehand, and maybe this Arkham Knight rises, and he's like, oh shit, people think that's me or something, and and he... comes out of retirement or something. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just throwing random ideas. Uh, all, all I know is that's if that is a real spoiler, a legit spoiler, I, I, I'm not pleased. Amazon? Is that Amazon? It, it, I think a few people were mad at Amazon, but you can't really get mad at Amazon. That's, that's well, who's the putting fucking, out the special edition? Exactly. The collector's edition comes with that. Like, that's the game company. They took the pictures to give to Amazon, I'd imagine, and, like, you know, the promotional pictures and shit. And like, okay, so, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out who I should place my rage statue. at. My fanboy rage. Don't worry, though, Craig. All that's going to happen is you're going to pop in the game, you're going to start playing it, you're going to be worried, you're going to be wondering when's Batman going to die, is he going to die, and Krusty the Clown's uncle's going to die, and that's it. Oh, first his dad and now his uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, the man can't catch a break. 
uh, or most likely what's going to happen is it's going to be forever before I play the game because I, as of yet, don't have a next-gen system, so it doesn't even matter. Yeah, it would have been spoiled for you anyway. I'll just watch a Let's Play. to read the comic, refuse to watch the movie, but are still interested enough to want to, you know, get the fair point treatment out of it and want to be able to bullshit your way around a water cooler conversation or whatever, you know. Um, Thanks. Here it is. Here's your, here's your summary. Uh, Watchmen is, uh, like we said, an acclaimed graphic novel. It's about a group of superheroes, and it deals a lot with... It's basically one of them gets murdered, and from there, an investigation sort of unravels. But there's more to the story than that. It takes place during the time of the Cold War. There's a lot of really heavy, heavy, deep stuff in in it. Yeah, very deep. Landmark comic for its time. Like, further than six feet deep. (laughs) It's on so many levels. The art, the writing, the... Everything like you, you notice new stuff every time you look at it. It's one of those works, and that's the basic. What else would you expect from Alan Moore, though? You, I would not expect anything less than that from the man. Well, there had never been anything like this at the time, correct? Uh, Alan Moore or otherwise. Gen, generally speaking, at the time, all the comic books were still not. They weren't so dark and introspective on what it is to be a hero and like the kind of stresses that, um, that this kind of lifestyle puts on a person in that position. Oh, and there's so much more than that too. There's that. And it's also what kind of person wants to be a hero. Right. And the thing I really love about that is with the multiple heroes in this comic, uh, you get to see actual personalities like, and how each person accepts the stress you get radically different worldviews and human conditions that are relatable and and relative rather and just like everyone. in real life it would affect every single one of us differently and it's it's more than just that though it's not just it's it's a deeper almost metaphysical thing to it too and a lot of it isn't in the story or the text it's in the presentation and it's just a perfectly crystallized piece of art so valuable to me and it's not perfect there's some there's some faults with it but it's still perfect that's watchman that's that's your that's watchman okay dark knight returns was already out at this point but only for like a few months probably like half a year or so this was it was done in what 86 87 86 and 87 oh because it was released as single comic book issues for 12 issues Yes, that's why people always, I hate when people correct me and I'm like, oh, it's a comic that, and they're like, it's not a comic, it's a graphic novel. And I'm like, well, it was a comic before it was a graphic yeah. novel, Fuck jackass. you, it's a comic. Well, it was, it's been a graphic novel since you were born. It's, yeah, it was a 12-issue miniseries, and it ran from, as you said, September 86 to October 87. Well, I didn't say the months, but. That's why I did. <laughs> but I hate that whole, like, it's a graphic novel. Like, you know what? Fuck you. 
It's a comic. People try to do that with like The Walking Dead too. They'll be like, have you read the graphic novel and shit? And I'll be like, it's not a graphic novel. It's an ongoing title that isn't intended to end. It's not a fucking graphic novel. Well, Watchmen wasn't that, but it's like... Yeah, the, the big difference there is that Watchmen did have a definite ending. Um, that's just their, their way of saying a big boy comic. Like, yeah, no, like, that's their way of, of trying to be superior to comic. you and being like, it's not a comic. Comics are for babies. No. This is a graphic novel. It's a comic. It's, it's a grown-up you know, book. Alan Moore would actually agree because Alan Moore has said... Graphic novel was just like a marketing term in the 80s. Like, that, that's not... Nowadays, it pretty much just means expensive comic book. Like, he's, he just yeah, calls how do you them feel? comics. You're a little hero just, like, called your shit stupid. Because <laughs> everyone who says that to me, Alan Moore is their hero. <laughs> Might as well. If you're saying that that dismissively, you have some high standards for Alan Moore and think he's above comic books. Okay, how about this? It was a literary piece. Okay, so the genesis of this kind of came from an idea Alan Moore had when he was a teenager that stuck with him, and eventually DC acquired the rights to the characters from Charlton Comics. Um, Oh, they got a lot of inspiration from the Charlton Comics. Yeah, Alan Moore was very familiar with them, grew up with them, and he, he had the idea to feature them in an adult murder mystery plot, but that would, as you said, expose what type of people superheroes are and uh what would naturally come along with being a superhero or who would be attracted to it all that but dc realized they didn't really want their characters that they just got to all be either psychologically damaged or dead so they encouraged him to create new characters and at first he was really pushing back against the idea because he wanted it to have the emotional impact for people who were familiar with the characters and they wanted to make money (laughs) <laughs> with those characters, yes. Um, Can't make money with a dead character. I always said, my granddaddy always said. <laughs> um, or a pedophile character, or a rapist character, or whatever the fuck you want to do no, to these no, guys, no. Alan Moore. Rapists do not sell toys. <laughs> that is marketing 101. Dinosaurs? Yeah. Superheroes? Yeah. Oh, oh, could you throw some robots and dinosaurs into this comic? <laughs> we could sell a bunch of toys on it. Just think, you'll be rolling in the dough. Mr. Moore, Moore, oh, but please don't slam the door on the way out. Eventually, Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, who was uh, the artist that he was collaborating. He wasn't just the artist. He was co-creator of Watchmen. Right, right. Um, John Higgins, the, the, the colorist. I don't think he gets enough credit for what he does because he really made everything pop. Was he, didn't he like quit at like the end of the book or something because he didn't like the ending or something? I don't know. Maybe I'm. I I can neither confirm nor deny that. (laughs) Either way, he had the same amount of particles. Yeah, (laughs) for real. Um, But Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons eventually decided that these characters all represented like the iconic archetypes of superheroes and comic book characters, and that if they made the characters resemble these iconic archetypes enough, it could still work and have that emotional resonance. And he used the Charlton characters as sort of templates for the Watchmen characters, which we'll get into. We're going to explore each of these characters individually here. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a huge undertaking, by the way. This so. is going to be a big episode, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, you, you, can't, it. you can't expect us to do Watchmen and just fuck around. So, oh, no, we don't can. fuck around you with Watchmen. You can and Watchmen. we will. <laughs> we don't just fuck around with Watchmen, though. We do more than just fucks around with them. We fucks with them. We don't just fucks around with them. 
another big reason why I love this comic so much is uh, in typical Alan Moore fashion, he doesn't spoon feed typical you. Typical Alan Moore fashion, so like long scraggly beard and matted yes. like long hair. It's not matted. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just wild. Coming soon, Watchmen babies. <laughs> and probably a snake necklace. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm talking about just in writing. Okay, let's not let's get away from appearance. The guy looks like a recluse. But in in typical fashion of Alan Moore, he doesn't hold your hand and tell you definitively who's right, who's wrong, who the good guy is, who the bad guy is. He lets you think that for is, yourself. That is typical fashion of Alan Moore. He never has held my hand and told <laughs> yeah, me. But you know what? I would be a lot less scared of the big bad world if he did. That would be <laughs> And if you ever goes. asked him to hold your hand, he would be like, what? No, you some kind of baby. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen, real quick aside, um, Alan Moore, when he did, well, I know you've seen it, when he did the guest voice on The Simpsons? Yeah, that's why I said Watchmen Babies. Oh, that was that's the thing you said, that I know you did Watchmen Babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the um, thing that they were creating that for the Watch- gag. Millhouse wanted Alan Moore to sign his copy of yeah. <laughs> Watchmen Babies V for Vacation. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> and Alan Moore just flips out. I love that he did that, though. That's really cool. That- yeah, absolutely. I think it's because he can appreciate the Simpsons. And- yeah, and they told him the joke, and he was like, cool, yeah, I'll do that. He's like, that makes sense. So, <laughs> so the comic they ended up creating... Watchmen. And there was uh, something really cool that the artist Dave Gibbons said. I saw, I watched this in, a, in one of the special features on the movie that I own the Blu-ray of. <clears throat> but he said that when he was drawing it, he looked at it as if it was a sci-fi alternate reality of ours. As if, I'm looking at as if like this is our world if we really had a person with the powers of a god and what would happen then while he was drawing it. So he was trying to make it as real world as he could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole world that this takes place in is basically an alternate history. New York City. Um, It branched off in about 1930-something when real-world superheroes started showing up. Now, these aren't people with powers. They're just regular Joes putting on costumes and everything. Doing what's right. And that eventually, that, and that eventually coupled with what Dave Gibbons was talking about, the the Superman, if you will, Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan. He's basically, we'll get into it further, but a person who has the ability to reassemble the world on a subatomic level. Like, pretty much he can do anything. And he experiences time at all, all at once. Like, he's a god-like character. Which was very lovingly taken care of. Like, they... They dealt with that topic and subject and presented it so you can kind of understand it, yet know that you would never understand it. (laughs) And he is American, and he's on America's side. So we win the Vietnam War. Nixon gets elected for a third term, and because he's so successful with Dr. Manhattan that it just gets passed for him to pass an amendment. Yeah, this is the one thing, though. No matter what, any kind of alternate history there is, I can never see Nixon winning five times. He's the president that. You just doc, Doctor Manhattan won the fucking election. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but, like he, he was just like, well, you know what? I'm comfy. Happened to be. There. I am so comfy in this chair, and woo. Which actually, that brings up another point. I'm comfy. Um, when we, <laughs> I don't want to get up. Oh, it's cold out there. <laughs> <laughs> Nixon lives. <laughs> 
Ten more years. Ten more years. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to pry this presidency from my cold, dead, Republican jowls <laughs> and jowls. Buddy of Agnew. And Nixon actually outlaws masked vigilantism. Hold so. on. One second. We'll get into this. Uh, Maybe you should just say. No, no. I kind of want to do this as a. There's something that I don't want to forget to bring up later when we're talking about certain characters and maybe a difference between the comic and the movie. I can't remember the comic. You have just recently read it. I'm right. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, you can tell me if I'm wrong, if this happened in the comic or not. But speaking of Nixon uh, just being lucky enough to be in that seat, was it that the comedian killed Kennedy? To make um, that happen? It's implied. Was it ever directly stated in the movie? Uh, in the movie, when they did the times they are changing and they're showing all the scenes, when Kennedy got shot, the comedian was right there with a the oh, gun. Oh, okay. I didn't see that. Or I did see that, but I forgot. In the comic, I think what happens was he uh, he's at a banquet or something, and he's all dressed up nice and talking to all the politicians and the oil companies or whatever, you know. Right. The, tycoons his best whatever. friends yeah and yeah. um they're joking with him about something and he's like oh whatever whatever he's like just don't ask me where i was when i found out kennedy died or something like that just don't ask me where i was when i heard kennedy got killed or something oh okay uh, everyone laughs and they're like aha that's it's so that's, funny that's you're, you're besmirching a dead president <laughs> <laughs> you card i'm bringing it back i swear the fucking democrat they don't give a shit yeah dirty Democrats and liberal hippies in there. You so, like your trees. So with mask adventuring outlawed and the world in the midst of the Cold War and seemingly on the brink of Armageddon, that's where our story happens and what it, it what the setting is and really almost in, on, on a level what the story is about. And the doomsday clock is at 10 minutes to midnight. But which midnight? What day? What, what does that even mean? Does that mean in 10 minutes or 10 minutes from midnight tonight? Or No, it's a symbolic representation of oh, how close we... you are to nuclear annihilation. But they had way more than 10 minutes to live. That was an actual thing, though. That wasn't Alan Moore didn't make that up. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand it, and I want it explained to me, please. It's midnight represents nuclear annihilation, and the minutes are just how close they think analysts and everything think Holy we are. crap. That Iron Maiden song now makes so much more sense. Two minutes to midnight to kill the unborn in the womb. Yeah, I'm not even going to attempt that note. That's why I just stopped. (laughs) I think that's what he says, right? And fire. Flying on a broom. (laughs) Okay, now you've lost it. Two minutes. To midnight. But it's really just 837. Thank you for participating in that little sing-along with me. <laughs> See, I think it's worth of note, though, what you were saying, uh, that it's an alternate universe. Uh, the major differences are, as we said, Nixon having served for five terms at this point, you said? Yeah, they, they kind of just thought, well, Hollis Mason made a remark that he can't believe he voted for him five times. Oh, yeah, no, I think he served, I think this is his third, no, maybe it was his fifth term. No, because it was his third term at NAM, and that was yeah. in the 60s. You're right, so. you're right. 
Never mind. Um, space travel is a lot better. Uh, Vietnam is now the 51st state, and there's electric cars. And another interesting <laughs> thing is... The 51st state. Like, it's like, we beat Vietnam, so now we own Vietnam. <laughs> yep. Dr. Manhattan made shit different, man. And uh, comic books. More imagined that people would still be reading comic books, children especially. So, But not superheroes. Yeah, he figured it w- was superheroes real in the real world. What else would they read? What would they want to read? Pirate novels. Clearly it would be pirates. And Clearly. Throughout the whole comic, there's this comic within a comic that you catch a story of that ties to the events of the story in ways that you don't understand until like your second, third, fourth read, you know? Yeah. But, uh, that would be tales of the black freighter tales of the black freighter, which is tales of the black freighter is actually the name of the comic series, but the story Marooned. that we're reading is called Marooned because yeah. it's sort of a legends of the dark Knight type thing. Right. Where like right. they'll have different arcs, but so they're all about different pirate stories. The whole comic is called tales of black freighter. This specific story within that. Comic yes. Is the comic centers around different stories that involve the ship known as the black freighter, a demon vessel. Yeah. It takes the damned on board to be its crew. Davy Jones's ship, if you will, from the pirates of the Caribbean movies. But way more creepy. Way more metal. (laughs) So much more metal. This guy in this fucking pirate comic story basically gets marooned on an island. The the Black Frighter is going off and he knows that it's heading towards his hometown. And he's worried that they're just going to massacre everybody there. And his, his wife and his children will be raped and killed. And he's going mad with it. He buries all his uh, crewmen who... We're on the ship that got blown up. Yeah. But then he can't get a raft to float. So what does he do, Craig? Oh, he digs up all his crewmen and makes a raft out of them, out of their bloated carcasses. Yeah, well, them and wood. but And a little bit of wood. But they were to help make uh, it float. Uh, and in his travels, while he's trying to get back to his hometown on this raft of humans, he basically starts going mad. And he like knows that they're there already and that they've killed his family. And... Uh, Eventually, he gets to his hometown, and everything seems normal. Not to him. Oh, right, right, right. But everything is normal. So he sees um, he sees a gentleman and a woman who he called who he called a, a turncoat. Would yeah. you? He he's a traitor because he assumes the town's already been sieged, and this guy's all merry. Why would he be so happy if he if he right? He, he must have. He must have been in on it. He now he's taken his little uh, his little pirate whore with him, you know, and he quickly jumps on him and smashes his head in with a rock. Yeah, kills the fuck out of them, both of them. Uh, runs into town. He's he's just slaughtering people and he's makes it to his house. It's the crew of the Black Freighter, and then he realizes he's killing his wife and his kids, and he just freaks out and he looks and he sees the Black Friders just floating out on the sea, hasn't even died. Hasn't even got there yet. They just waiting for him. They're just sitting there waiting, yeah. Seems. And that's when he realizes that the Black Freighter didn't want the town at all. They just wanted him. Yep. And he's damned. And he he Which means he's probably been an evil person his whole life if they've been wanting they're just waiting for him. These he always thought he was a good person, but apparently he wasn't. <laughs> and see another cool layer of this to the comic though, of Watchmen. Is that at the end of every issue or chapter, if you're reading it as a graphic novel, there's supplementary (laughs) material, which is like an excerpt from one of the hero's um, 
biographies that they wrote and it's a good four or oh, five right, right. pages like big comic book size pages with i remember small seeing those and yeah. you get to read full like chapter from his autobiography and like uh newspaper clippings um all sorts of stuff like that and there's one uh, magazine article or something about the series the tales of the black fighter which gives you insight into the artists and the author who actually do in a minuscule way play a role in the plot as co-conspirators almost the wait the authors of the black freighter or the tales of the black freighter are co-conspirators in the masked men plot? i think it was the artist i think it was the main artist that was been the writer. ended up being revealed or is that one of those hidden things you got to figure out he went missing there's a bunch of people that have been going missing talented people and it's because Ozzy Mandia. Well, here let's. Oh, okay. Now, yeah, he ended up going. Hey, we mis- warned you guys. Spoilers. Sorry, they creeped yeah. up at a weird time without being warned. We warned you a long time ago, son. You should have read the. Doesn't matter. Um, Osmandias. The basic idea of they they they're uncovering what one of the characters and eventually a few of the characters believed to be a plot against masked adventurers or superheroes. It turned out to be way more than that. Eventually they start suspecting that it's deeper than that. And it's a plot to trigger Armageddon and end the cold war by triggering Armageddon. But when they get to the end of the end, they realize it's even deeper than that. And, uh, that was a trap. And, uh, you know what? We're going to get to that in a little bit. Make you wait a little longer before we go full spoiler. Yeah, see see what you see what you've done, James. We're just like this is so big. We're like trying to get ahead of ourselves. It's so hard to cram <laughs> into a format. So the like like the whole construction of this comic though is kind of what we were on. Like the the comic within a comic, the supplemental materials. It had this nine panel sort of format where it could be stretched, but that's the grid it always was based upon, and that made the storytelling a lot more seamless between writer and artist. And it was just, it, it's at first it seems a little weird and you don't get it, but the more you read it, it's beautiful. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Like there's so much issue five. If you look at the cover, there's like a, a forwards are and a backwards are. And, uh, I think it's like a little bit symmetrical. And that's a clue that the entire comic is fucking symmetrical. And in the center, is oh, you and that's right in the middle, in the middle too. page when Ozymandias is attacking the guy who would kill him, who is his yeah, would be yeah. assassinator. Um, you can see that those pages are mirrored. If you keep going back, every panel on every page is like mirrored in a way what they're talking about, what they're doing, what the construction of the page and the panels are. It's insane, man. Wow, I don't think I ever got that deep into it. So, you enlightening me is like mind blown. There's a lot of um, quotes throughout the comic. Each issue ends in a quote. Quotes are used elsewhere, too. A lot of times, often from music. And Neil Gaiman, fun fact, helped with a lot of the quotes that appear in the comic. Really? Uh, Alan Moore called up Neil Gaiman a few times. Was like, Mr. Sandman himself. A good quote. So let's clear up uh, a major misconception for anybody who either has only seen the movie or hasn't even seen the movie. And just I am a man. Yes, in case you've only seen the movie about Craig in which he's a woman. That was the major liberty they took in the Hollywood adaptation of Craig's life. You know... Was that they cast Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen as Craig alternating. The, the, and it was really weird. It at first I yeah. said I didn't care because I wasn't really paying attention. I just wanted money. And then I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I am not an Olsen twin. <laughs> Let alone two Olsen <laughs> twins. 
No, I want to clear up the misconception. There is no team called the Watchmen. No. The name Watchmen comes from a phrase you see a few times, usually spray painted on walls. Who watches the Watchmen? Yes, which is what people who are anti-superheroes and whatnot would kind of ask. Or it might be what Rorschach is asking when people are killing them off. It's multi-layered, you know? But, exactly. Uh, and I that's an interesting point because I kind of always took it as uh, the people in the streets being like, well, these guys, you know, think there's think that they're the authority who takes care of them. And then, I mean, you could bring that to real life and even current times saying like with even the law, you know, like mm-hmm. they have all this power who's oh, it, making sure they're not abusing it. The and saying goes back yeah. before the comic. And yeah, in the comic, in the movie, they call them the Watchmen. And that's one of the, we'll get to the movie later, but that's one of the painful aspects of it to me. Every time I hear him say something like, the Watchmen is over. I'm like, oh, stop it. (laughs) Stop it. Just because the original ones had called themselves the Minutemen. The Minutemen were the older group of superheroes. The new heroes that the story circles around, um, one of the older heroes tried to unite them. Would that be Night Owl? No, no, um, Captain what, Metropolis. Captain Metropolis. Tried to unite them and, and form a group called Crime Busters. I think in the movie it was Ozymandias who yeah, was in the role, like, and then when Comedian burns the map. Um, but that never worked out. They, well, the reason why it never worked out is because the name is so dumb. It's <laughs> such a lame name. They're like, uh, can we call ourselves something else? No, I'm really set on Crime Busters. <laughs> this is perfect. I've already Not trademarked really. it. I've already got stickers printed up. I've yeah, t-shirts outfits. and hats are coming coming soon to IndieMerch.com. I already secured the domain name. Like, come on. Al Gore just invented the internet, <laughs> so it's going to be out any time. Right, get it? So it would have been sped up. Things, yeah. yeah, Dr. Manhattan would have invented it ages ago. So let's, for anyone who's like, who are all these characters you keep naming? Let's take a look at the main characters who you would think were the team called Watchmen. But they're not. They're just disparate superheroes that have since, for the most part, retired. It's past their heyday. First up, we have the man that thinks there is no fine line between good or bad. It's one way or the other. Rorschach. Yeah, um... Based on the question, who you may know as part of regular oh. DC continuity now, that God, was the that's... Charlton character it was based on. Yeah. Oh, the the Charlton character, the question. Oh, okay. I, you know, because the DC character, the same question, thing. it is the same thing. Yeah. Okay. They, Such an awesome character. That's why they wouldn't let him use it because they're like, we already have plans to introduce them into our continuity. Also, sort of a little bit of a criticism of Steve Ditko's politics. Ditko created the question and he also created illustrated and wrote for another character called Mr. A, who was kind of like the question, but not as like comics code safe. And he had a huge influence on Rorschach. Rorschach was a sort of extreme version of that. Which is funny because side note in the question number 17, Vic Sage, who is the question picks up a copy of the Watchmen and he's reading it. Oh, so this is the newer. Yeah. The newer question. question. Yeah. Uh, he's reading it on a train and he's like, hmm, that Rorschach character is really something. And he tries to emulate his attitude and what he does, but in the end he just gets his ass kicked for it. And he comes up to the conclusion that Rorschach sucks. There's uh, some DC major crossover event. There is a scene where I think like twice in the comic you can see Rorschach and the question off in the background like 
it's clearly investigating something together or something like that. And like what comic? Together. I don't know. Was it what? I, what comic saying, though? I was don't it? know. So Rorschach has the Rorschach's design on this ever shifting like featureless mask, other than the constantly shifting Rorschach design. Yeah. How did he get a hold of that? And like you said, he's got a black and white view of morality. His morals never mix into gray shades. Nope. There's. It's either you're right or you're wrong. And if you do wrong, you got to be punished. It's kind of interesting too. The the original design of Rorschach. Have you ever seen it? Uh, maybe. He had a fucking blue trench coat and underneath a total Rorschach suit, body suit, like oh. skin tight. Really weird looking. I did not see that. No, that would have been silly. Um, <laughs> trench coats aren't blue. He's basically after they outlawed superheroes, he continued to act illegally as an illegal vigilante. Yeah, but he also said that uh, him as Walter Kovacs was his mask and the question or the question and Rorschach was his real person. Yeah, there hit a point in his past um, after discovering this horrific crime of a young girl that was killed and fed to dogs. He snapped. He totally just became he's a psychopath, really. He he injures people he's he's killed people before and he's super super right wing he's a little bit he's homophobic and like he's very he's he's very he's a fun likable character like you love reading about him and you like him and you want to cheer for him but there's also times that remind you he's not that cool (laughs) osmandius possible homosexual gonna have to look into that further (laughs) he just sounded like christian bale's batman (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's what I'm imagining. As he's watching the movie, he pauses Batman. It. He pauses it. And he's like, hmm. Like, Ozymandias isn't real. It's just he's watching the movie. He's like, hmm. Google's Ozymandias gay. <laughs> gay. Google image search. All <laughs> sorts of slash fiction pops up. <laughs> slash fan art. I can't tell if this is real or not. <laughs> Ozymandias and Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> then there's the comedian alter ego of Edward Blake. He was modeled after the Charlton Comics character, the Peacemaker, who was like this government operative who had all sorts of guns and stuff and would go overseas and topple dictators and stuff like that, which is very similar to what the comedian did. Yeah. Uh, also uh, a little bit of Nick Fury thrown in there, Alan Moore said. Yeah, the he he was he was a sociopath. He just loved to kill. Well, he wasn't a sociopath because he clearly had an understanding of humanity and he had some humanity in him. You know what I mean? He did have some compassion in him at some moments. And, you know, sociopaths don't have, don't have any stuff, of them. Right. Or is that? I feel a, like uh, they do. I just, I don't know. He's still kind of crazy. He's still I'm pretty, pretty sure crazy. that's what a sociopath is. Is someone who, someone can't, who can't empathize can't with like, they, at all. they don't really have like, feelings and stuff like that they just and they don't understand it well i mean once you realize how big of a joke everything is being the comedian is the only thing that actually makes sense in this world he's he's a monster and he's clearly you know what i mean none of these characters are totally psychologically there the only one who's really all that morally sound would be night owl but even just the nature of what he does is calling that into question you know what i mean and being a good guy he at least wants to try to reach peaceful solutions. Yeah, but is he or is he just going out to serve his ego? 
It's going out and beating up thugs to serve his ego. I mean, it, it's it's not showing off if you could pull it off every damn night. No, but I mean, well, I'm saying he's morally that those are the questions that's that are raised by this. Like we're going to get to Night Owl here in a second, but I mean, I think through his story arc, it becomes clear that it has a lot to do with his ego and his self perception, and you know what I mean, making him feel good about himself. And what Ozymandias challenges him with: Are you? What are you even doing for the world, though? Like you, you're not yeah. solving any problems, and like, I don't know. It's it's a it's a. There's I'm not saying there's an answer, but that's that's the point. There's no answer. You yeah, know? he was just putting band aids on on open cuts. He wasn't cleaning them out. But the comedian, them. he was one of the older heroes, one of the Minutemen. He was yeah, he was in the minute both the Minutemen and the almost Crime Busters. He was invited to the meeting, but then they never formed. And he did do shit with Night Owl. He did shit with Dr. Manhattan in Vietnam and, uh, and dealt Rorschach. with riots during a police strike with Night Owl. I don't know how much he did with Rorschach. I know they knew of each other. He is the one that is killed. And, of course, most people don't know his civilian identity is the comedian. You know what I mean? Right. So the police don't even figure it out. They just they, they know just he think someone the was murdered. But, yeah. And... Rorschach, of course, is the one who leads this big investigation because he figures out he's the comedian and has this respect for him. As it's a shame he doesn't have the law backing him. Wouldn't be the same. But the comedian is, as you said, a horrific. He he shoots pregnant women and children in Vietnam. He uh, Rapist. He raped and beat the crap out of one of the main character's mothers who was a superheroine on his team. And on his team. Yeah. On his team. It wasn't even just like... It's horrible. Yeah. One of the things Alan Moore said he wanted to do in this was show that there is... That even the best of us have faults and flaws and that there was redeemable factors in even the worst of them. Like of the characters. He wanted the worst character of the bunch for there to be times when you could see it and see their, that they're human and empathize with them and Yeah, because he has and, a daughter. No, no, but no, I, I know what you're saying. Like when um, he got all drunk and he figured out the plan and everything, there was those moments too. There's tons of moments. Yeah. And, and even just in his worldview, like there's truth in it and there's bullshit in it and there's whatever. It's the whole thing is so, yeah. What's really scary is when he tells you about his worldview and it actually starts to kind of make sense. <laughs> you're like, oh boy, I need to look at myself more. <laughs> Go watch The Dark Knight and empathize with Heath Ledger's Joker because that's a lot less psychologically scarring. Right. I need to watch DuckTales for the rest of the night and just call it a quit, shut my brain off. Then there's Dr. Manhattan, formerly known as Dr. John Osterman. Oh, what a sad story, man. He was modeled after Captain Adam, who was this character that had like atomic powers and nuclear power. Dr. Manhattan, though... Dr. Manhattan was a scientist named John Osterman. Uh, he got himself caught up into some kind of uh, particle experiment on accident, and he kind of was uh, disintegrated. <laughs> kind of. And then he fucking reformed himself from beyond the dead, from beyond consciousness. That was the first trick he learned. Reformed himself. He used to be a watchmaker, too. So do you think if that same accident had happened to any other person, they might not have been able to reform themselves as, you know, a being of such power? 
It was, yeah, I mean, it it was the situation itself, you know what I mean, I'm sure. And what what I kind of a, a compare it to when he said, like, when he changed his mind about miracles, and he's like, oxygen spontaneously turning into gold. And he's like, it's it's an event whose odds of happening are so infinitesimal that it might as well be impossible. But, you know, and he's like, I've longed to see such a thing or something. I feel like that's kind of like Dr. Manhattan happening. Yeah, it's just An one of those spectacles. So infinitesimally impossible. And that's like, where you get the blue dick. What? When he reforms. When himself. he reforms, yeah. I love. <laughs> you know how they're it was like, tastefully done in the comic. Okay. You know how they're well. Yeah, what happens is he starts slowly reforming. A central nervous system appears. Then a muscular system over a skeleton. And then just a giant floating blue dick. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, it's just, just the dick. There's no body. No, but he's always naked when he's not showing up in public for the government and shit, and they don't make him wear a suit. He's always, like, walking around naked. He has no need for clothes. And they don't ever show it, though. Like, they find tactful ways to hide it yeah. through the art until... That one moment when you finally see him, where he's just like, form yeah, forming for the first time. I love how we're both doing very Christ-like pose. Uh, he, as we said, he experiences all time simultaneously, past, present, and future. Only his, not everywhere. He's not omniscient or omnipresent. that was the difference between what makes him not a god is he can't see other people's futures unless he does something with them in the future. But he is able to understand reality on a subatomic level and rearrange it he can just make people disappear or the loneliest man in the world uh yeah loneliest he's man. very detached because his understanding of the universe is yeah. so far removed from human cultural values and that brings up a good point of what we kind of talked about last week when uh discussing what we were going to do with dr manhattan is uh you had said people complained that they made him um that he was supposed to be emotionless and yeah, he's he's not at all. He's just detached. Not at he's all emotionless. He's losing his humanity, but there's still emotion there. He's his story is still completely a thinking, emotionally fueled. Uh, human-ish. Love Doctor Manhattan though. Him and Rorschach are, I mean, probably the two most popular characters, but they're definitely my two favorites. Oh, hands down. Next is Daniel Dryberg, Night Owl, the sequel. Uh yeah, there's. A whole thing with him modeling his costume after an earlier superhero. Gibbons, actually. Dave Gibbons actually created Night Owl when he was 14 years old. Yeah, he used to make uh, doodles and sketches of it, right? Yeah, and the suit that he originally drew was the suit for the original Night Owl for in the story. The Minutemen Night Owl. Yeah. For Watchmen, though, they modeled the character sort of after the Blue Beetle in the sense that he had a ton of gadgets. He had this ship. Right, but when the movie played, I couldn't help but think that they were trying to be Batman. Zack Snyder did want to bring some Batman into the outfit. You know, to me, Rorschach, Night Owl, and Ozymandias are all like three different sides of Batman. That's so weird. The intellect, the... Um, the intellect and training, and, and you know what I mean. Yeah, mastery. absolutely. And then the, the, vigil- the vigilante who uses fear and intimidation and power be Rorschach. and brute force outside the working of the law and then the guy with all the the gadgets gadgets and the money and the secret lair and whatnot and the ship. Wow. I just, that's why Batman is such a great character because he's, it took three watchmen. He's more than one archetype, but without feeling like he's crowded, he feels like a genuine character. Yeah, absolutely. 
Anybody disagrees, I will punch you in the face. <laughs> Batman taught me that. Yeah. <laughs> Night Owl, though, in Watchmen, he's kind of... He's overweight. He's been retired. Like, Dr. Manhattan and the comedian were both allowed to continue working because they work for the government. And Rorschach did it illegally. But everybody else is retired. So Night Owl never revealed his identity. He just quit. He's got a secret lair with all his shit beneath his apartment. And, yeah, he's really... He's let himself go. Let himself go. He's heavier. He's out of shape. He can't get it up. And he... One of his big arcs in the story is that he doesn't, he's not able to get it up until he actually until... goes out, saves some people from a fire. He doesn't even fight crime. He saves people. So, but, you know, after that, having the costume back on and the thrill of that. Better than Viagra. He's working again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, Adrian Veidt, Ozymandias, who's based on Peter Cannon Thunderbolt, a superhero I've never even heard of. Nobody's heard of. <laughs> That's living, at least. He's known as, he being Ozymandias, Adrian Veidt, the smartest man in the world. And the most, most uh, athletic man in the world, or the fastest man. Oh, yeah. He's very super, he, he, like Batman, spent his whole life training to be perfect. He idolized Alexander the Great. He uh, Ramses II was another hero of his. Yep, yep. And he just, yeah, dedicated his life to making his mind and body and everything Peak physical perfection. I bet he was the kid that you just hated in high school because he was so fucking perfect. And he, oh, oh, great. And he's good looking to, to just top it all off. Great. Awesome. Great. Now, now the girl I wanted to ask the prom is just going to go with him. Plus, he'd always like teleport giant alien squids into the fucking football games and kill everyone within a mile radius when he didn't get his way. He needed. Manhattan to help him create that. <laughs> he wasn't just, he wasn't that good. Haven't you seen Watchmen babies? They've known each other all their lives. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, of course, Ozymandias is revealed to be the one who'd orchestrated this whole plot. And what the plot was, let's get to it now. The, the ending was he genetically engineered from cloning a human psychic's brain and using this team of artists and writers and everything t- to create this this big fake alien, which is real. Oh, it was a real God. Crazy. creature they genetically bred. Yeah, they made this thing. It wasn't like they made uh, you know, St. Patrick's Day parade float. And he teleported it to New York City. And he had been working with teleportation, and it was publicly known that he had been, but he couldn't really get anything. Well, I don't know about publicly, but other people knew. You couldn't, Dr. Manhattan was helping him with it. The government yeah. was probably helping a little bit. So you couldn't really get stuff to teleport without it exploding. Dr. Manhattan could do it, but nobody else could. You couldn't develop the technology without it exploding and fucking up upon arrival. So he just teleported this alien creature to New York. It exploded all over the place on arrival. Killed it, a bunch of people. Merged with buildings, killed people. And not only that, but when it died, its brain, being cloned from a psychic, sent out this massive psychic shockwave to uh, put horrible dreams in everybody's head, images of just horror and... And like invasion and... It, there, there was sort of a building theme of uh, interdimensional work being done in New York also. And now like, I ask you, was... Uh, was Dr. Manhattan aware of this plot from the get-go when he was helping Adrian create... No. 
um, there was tachyons, which, oh. are, which are an actual theoretical particle that we haven't discovered them, but scientists actually. Yeah, have yeah, I've seen Futurama. They've, we've, I've talked about okay. tachyons. Yeah, they can supposedly <laughs> move backward in time. And Doctor Manhattan was saying, if there is nuclear war, that could be what's interfering with my ability to see the future right now because of the tachyons that would. Right, and result. he had no idea that Vite was uh, blocking him from being able to yes. see it. And what he wanted to gain by this was preventing nuclear war, uniting humanity against a common threat. Right. And not only did it make everybody unite against another worldly threat, but it killed the right amount of people that supposedly Asmandius said it needed to without destroying like the earth and the land the way like nuclear bombs would have. Well, it killed like half of New York. So there's still a global population out there, but right, New York is but, a huge. But if like they had just pack. dropped, say they had just like dropped bombs, it would have fucked up the whole ecosystem and everything. On top of killing people, the Earth itself wouldn't. Have, let's forget about people for a second. The Earth itself okay, wouldn't have I been able you were to survive. About was the people okay? Word. So I'm on. Uh, I'm on Team Vite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how you think we should have dealt with the problem. Yeah. See. Uh, the way it ends, well, there's one more character, but we're still talking about the ending. So, like, the way it ends, he organi- orchestrated this, and it happens. And there's nothing they can do to stop it because it already happened. And they're like, well, we're going to tell the world. And he's like, why? All these people died. Like, even if you don't agree that I shouldn't have done it, if you tell the world, we're going to have nuclear war within, like, a week. If you don't, we won't. Like, just deal with it Truthers, and keep your mouth man. shut. Truthers. And, like... Rorschach's like, nope, never compromise, not even in the face of Armageddon. And he leaves to go tell the world, and Dr. Manhattan oh, blows him up. So sad. He's like, you know, I can't let you do that. He's like, I agree with him. And Lori, who's the next character we're going to talk about, convinced me to see the true value of life and how it does matter in the universal scheme. And if we want Earth and people to stay alive, then we, we need can't to do tell this. people yeah, so- whether or not it's morally wrong or right. Uh, let, let's let's put it in the place morally wrong yet you're not going to be able to talk them down that's the point is they are already at the brink there's I, no way that you're going to get both sides to just be like okay cool whatever no but i don't see people ever making great decisions for social change based on fucking lies and shit and deception that's how the world has always worked that's how, and and we get better when we overcome those and learn the truth and learn that people have lied to us. Like, that's that's. But I, they wouldn't have taken it. I mean, basically, if they if they went and said, "Be like, oh, okay, well now let's fucking kill Vite because he killed half New York. Let's uh, take him in." And oh, by the way, Russia. Oh yeah, it's back on. It is so back on. I understand, <laughs> but people should know the truth. I don't think it would be incredibly healthy for humanity to believe something that that's not true and base their entire lives and social systems around something that's not true. It will cause problems we haven't even foreseen yet. Like all the shit back in the day when we were worried about all sorts of, you know what I mean? We caught, we have, we have problems now from our new social model that we would have never even foreseen, like mining the earth for all of its resources. We never thought that was even possible. And now it's a serious issue and shit you know what i mean okay. destroying the earth through well, our actions and let stuff me ask like that. you this but, is is life worth living if it's based on a lie or okay what's better life based on a lie or death based on truth <laughs> i'm not an absolutist like rorschach so rorschach would say death based on truth but i'm not an absolutist but i'm saying 
I think I would lean towards Team Rorschach on this one over Team Ozymandias. You just uh... in, in every other realm of politics, Ozymandias <laughs> over Rorschach a million percent. <laughs> He's way more liberal and and like. Not in like a left wing way, but just way more. Rorschach's fucking insane. Like, yeah, exactly. So you're just gonna side with a madman. No, um, but I, I think you're just you just have too much hope for humanity when in reality humanity needs to kind of get its hands held from time to time. And it's just like, oh, do you, you tell how, your child you when how organized religion and church systems have done nothing but good for humanity? That's that's besides the point. It's different. <laughs> I was going to say kind of in the way that you you tell your kid that Santa Claus is real. But people aren't altruistic to each other because organized church churches exist. Those organized churches exist because people are altruistic to each other. That's not – you know what I mean? So like – What I'm saying has nothing to do with religion. No, it does <laughs> because if you're saying that we should lie to everybody to get them to fuck about extra-dimensional beings – Okay, or if so they here's don't the reality just get along of it. together and not kill each other because they're not them just going to get along and not kill each other because apparently people are petty and humans suck. But and I'm not saying all I have a deep appreciation for a lot of religious stuff. So I'm not I'm not just saying all religion is just lying about this, but you can't sit here and say we're not talking about religion at all when that's what you're saying because that is a big part of organized religion and like social religion and shit and political like, you know. What happened was uh, you caught me <laughs> in a little trap and I was like, uh, I, I, oh shit. I didn't think of it that way. Cause I was just saying words at the time. <laughs> I was trying to make a point and then I just got stubborn with it. And I was like, oh fuck. Yes. But, and no, it's just, it's, it's I don't think there's no right. There's a right answer for exactly. a period. This, so, is, this is what Alan Moore wanted. God damn you, Alan Moore. Alan Moore, you let Alan Moore win when you argue about the ending of Watchmen. <laughs> For real, let's just let it be as it is. <laughs> There's one more character, though. Lori Juspezik, or Silk Spectre. She was based on Nightshade, but Alan Moore realized in creating the character that he wanted to draw more from a character like Black Canary or something. So she's a badass. She's a badass. But uh, she was raised. Her parent, her mom... Her parent... Her mom was a team member of the Minutemen. The original Silk Spectre? Yeah, and she pretty much from birth like raised her to be... A hero. Physically fit and a hero and have a costume and a publicist. And she, her mom sort of had a publicist. And she a was good a man to tell her where to go. It was a whole career thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she was a she, media darling. And her character is romantically involved with Dr. Manhattan... And also ends up romantically involved with Night Owl because Dr. The Manhattan second. is just drifting away. Yeah, not the old guy. Not her mom's friend. That'd be not creepy Hollis. and weird. And uh, she is the most not of the super... Like, she she was a superhero, but, like, it was never really her choice. It's not really the way she feels about her life that she should be a superhero or something. You yeah, know what I mean? it's, it was it's... one of those forced into it type things, and now this is just her life. So, yeah, her mom, Silk Spectre, was a part of the Minutemen, who was comprised of uh, Captain Metropolis, was kind of like the leader. Hooded Justice. Hooded Justice, who was this big, like, executioner style. Like, he had a hood and a noose around his neck and just, like, this huge, like, towering pro wrestler of a guy. 
and he w- he was actually the first hero was Hooded Justice. Yeah. Yeah, he was the first person to put on a mask and start fighting Dude, crime. You see that man, Hooded Justice, just like, what is his story? <laughs> Dude is wearing a noose. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever found out his secret identity. He disappeared one day, and there are theories about who he could be, but once the act passed, he just disappeared. He's just gone. Um, Dollar Bill. Dollar Bill was, Brady. He was actually hired by a bank to like represent, like he's protecting your money. Like when superheroes became a big cultural phenomenon, they yeah. got their own and he tragically died with his cape caught in the revolving door during a bank robbery. Oh man. That's what you get for having a cape or died. that's what you get for having a revolving door. <laughs> <laughs> Put them both together. Forget about it. Yeah. no, <laughs> It doesn't mix well. It's like vinegar and water. You'll die in a hail of gunfire. That's what happens when you mix vinegar and water. Old so don't try it, kids. Do not. Uh, there's also Mothman, who eventually went crazy, lost his mind. Well, I mean, bonkers. a name like Mothman, that's, it was either that or turned into a sandhill crane. <laughs> Night Owl, the original Night Owl. And Silhouette, who was eventually murdered along with her lesbian lover. Because she was a lesbian. is not looked highly upon. And she was open. About it out of the closet. Which bravo back for in the her. Forties, so brave. Fighting crime as a public figure, a public gay figure in the forties. Yeah, that you wouldn't have seen that in in this world. Only a world written by Alan. Only Moore. a world written by Alan Moore. Where, oh my God, that world seems so awesome, except for the fact that she was murdered. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Six Silk Spectre, as we mentioned. Um, Alan Moore actually said that he wanted to do a twelve-issue Minutemen prequel story, which would have been. Sweet, like super back awesome, then, and it wouldn't have been like it would have been their own deal. And he was offered two different prequel series, which he totally shut down: Rorschach's Journal and the Comedian's Vietnam War Diary. Yeah, because they wanted to delve more into the characters he had already, you know, made known. Yeah, he was like, you can infer everything you need to infer from Rorschach's Journal or the Comedian's Vietnam War Diary from Watchmen. It's all there. Right, we, right. We you already have all that prequel there. That's the story of those characters. All that would, all that you're doing is you wanting to create more garbage and making this exactly the same as your other comics. He was also offered a Night Owl and Rorschach team up series. No, wasn't interested. Kind of would been cool though. The Minutemen, though, we don't know a lot about them. They didn't have as big a role yeah. other than like Night Owl and Silk Spectre. So there's actually a reason for creating it. But that would never happen nowadays. That was back in in the time that he wasn't being well, screwed over by DC. Didn't they? Uh, didn't they reapproach him and ask him if he wanted to do it now, like to make this before Watchmen thing? And he was like, "If you would have asked me ten years ago, I would have said yes." More than ten. <laughs> if you would have asked me twenty years ago, I would have said yes. He was all for a movie being made back in the eighties. Like he was like, "Awesome, let's do it." And then he saw what happened to his other works. But really, a movie didn't need to be made. But because it's it's all about utilizing what the comic medium can do that other mediums can't. They were trying to make a movie of this comic for so fucking long. It is ridiculous. Um, and, and Alan Moore was originally for it, like we said. What's funny is uh, with the finished product, I almost think it was good that they waited because they probably wouldn't have been able to. What he wanted the movie to be made 
it was done at a time that people weren't taking comic book movies seriously. How's this for predicting the future, though? He said there was one point when they were considering Arnold Schwarzenegger to play Dr. Manhattan. And they asked Arnold Schwarzenegger if he would be okay with painting himself blue and shaving his head. And he said, so long as it's a good script, sure. And, uh, and Arnold Schwarzenegger said that? Are you sure? I don't know if that was this, the exact word. Is this but... the same man that did <laughs> Twins? Is this the same man that did Junior? Is this the same man that did The Sixth Day? <laughs> I can't. The list goes on, man. Even his great movies didn't have good scripts. Alan Moore was like, but really, I don't know if Arnold Schwarzenegger would be able to deliver these lines about, you know, time, time and quantum physics and yeah. the universe, if he'd be able to comprehend what he was reciting. And Alan Moore said that he thinks Dr. Manhattan should be portrayed by a computer graphic. This was in like 1987. Ooh, a CGI character. In 87. Unheard of. People were like, what is what? Um, what is that? Like Max Headroom. <laughs> <They were, laughs> oh, oh, isn't that just a gimmick? He'll never catch on. No, but let's go back. Can you just imagine uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger delivering Dr. Manhattan's lines? (laughs) Dude, so throughout the incarnations, uh, they also considered for uh, Night Owl, Kevin Costner, Christopher Walken, Richard Gere, and John Cusack. I can see John Cusack. That'd be cool. That'd be fucking cool. I I can't see Christopher Walken. No, maybe they meant the older Night Owl, because even back... in the eighties, was he? He was younger, but he was yeah. He, he wasn't like old. I just old can't guy. see him as. Like, I can't see him as Night Owl. I can no. maybe see Christopher Walken as Rorschach back then. Yeah, Rorschach's channel. <laughs> Streets are standing gutters. What's going on over here? For Rorschach, though, they did consider Daniel Craig and Simon Pegg, mainly because their names rhymed. Back in the day, back in the eighties. <laughs> no, this it's oh it was for... straight from the eighties to today oh okay so in total they went for they were considering james bond to play rorschach simon Pegg. that would have been interesting they, i think of them he would have been interesting but none of them neither i, of them I think he would have put too much comedy into it like i don't know i'd trust him like he's just gonna start being comedic and the director's like stop it this isn't an edgar wright flick <laughs> you know what there's no arguing with him just let him just let him do it We'll do our best in editing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's just let's just throw a few uh, voice changers on there and uh for Vite, Ozymandias, Jude Law was considered. I can see it. Sigourney Weaver was considered for Silk Spectre. I thought you were saying Sigourney Weaver was considered for Vite. For Vite. <laughs> Craig's like, no, fuck no. Jude Law. I could see that. Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now I don't want Jude Law, I want Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> um, do you know anything about Terry Gilliams? Uh, like Watchmen movie, like a few years ago, he di- revealed how he how his script no. ended. He didn't like Zack Snyder's movie, which we're going to talk about real soon. The movie that did get we made. promise, we promise, we will. He said that it, it stuck too close to the script, and the way he would have ended it would have been better. The way he was going to end it, the way his script ended, was that Vite convinces Doctor Manhattan to go back in time and prevent himself from ever being created. And that would save the world. So it would turn us back into like the way our world was. And after that happens, Night Owl, Rorschach, and Silk Spectre and them like end up in New York City, but it's our world. And this kid's reading a Watchmen comic. And he looks up and he sees him and he's like, you guys look like the characters in my comic. Womp, womp, womp. Like, dude, what the fuck? Terry Gilliam, I love you. You're a great director. You're a great mind. You're funny as hell, too. But... Fuck you, man. No. 
And he was like, that would have been way better. Yeah, it would have just totally abandoned the point of what the comic's about. This new movie... That would have been Snyder's way better. Movie, it actually uh, would have been my story. <laughs> in Zack been... Snyder's movie, they change the ending, but they keep the spirit of what the ending is about intact. Right. Although, I somewhat disagree because I still think that, like, say, New York's like, oh, shit, uh, Dr. Manhattan just attacked us. He turned his back on us. Russia have been like, sweet. <laughs> they would have been like, okay, he's a common threat. No, they've been like, oh, he turned on you, huh? What, what do you guys, you don't look so big without your big nuclear man there. Well, yeah, you're right. If he attacked America, maybe Vite was just too much of a pussy to, he's like, wait, but if I send it to Russia, they might just blow up the world. <laughs> but if, but the, the problem is if he would have sent it to like New York, Russia, you know, gotten the whole, like a universal thing. He should have sent it to Canada. Uh, Canada been like, why us? Everyone would be scared. Be like, oh, fuck. They're fucking with Canada. Canada never, never heard nobody. Eh? They, uh, they, they really need a big brother right now. <laughs> <laughs> but the movie, um, while I have many gripes with it, and when I watch it, there are certain things that are a little bit cringeworthy that I wish they would have done different. Many? There's some. I wouldn't say many. Okay. Um, Thank you for changing your tone. I think, A, if Zack Snyder didn't make this movie the way he did, it would have been so much worse. And I think Zack Snyder understood that, no, it's not going to live up to the comic. No, maybe it shouldn't be a movie, but someone's going to make this movie, so I'd better make it before they do, so I can at least make it as close as I goddamn can, because I'm a fan. This was also probably the best work Zack Snyder's done. I agree. Uh, best film he's ever made. I agree without a doubt. And and once Sucker Punch hit, it was all downhill from there. Sucker Punch sucked. Oh my god, that was a sucker punch. If yeah. I've ever seen one. Uh, the ending, though, we might as well talk about the the major divergence from the comic was the ending. He, as you just said, he had it be Doctor Manhattan attacking instead of the alien. instead of a giant alien squid. We we mentioned the ending. We mentioned the fact that they call them the Watchmen and that they were a team at one point. I I'm not crazy about the hyper violence. Um, That's yeah. They they also kind of made um, the characters that didn't have superpowers seem like they had super strength. Yeah, seriously. That was one. Like okay, I can get with that. That's Matrix-y one gripe. Fights and it's all very very great fight scenes. Yeah, dude. He, I love the fight scenes. I think he did it just for like effect, just to be like, well, it's it's a it's a movie about superheroes. Let's give them some yeah, awesome fight. It's scenes. It's a Hollywood movie. Yeah, so let's let's make, make this cool. But. And and at times it's that, and at times it's upping the ante to make it as shocking as it once was. Like, for example, I really love the scene in the book when Rorschach finds the child killer. This is what happens in the book. The guy is, is – he, he kills the guy's dogs because the dogs – he fed the girl right, the dogs. Right, right. He throws them through the window at the guy. Poor dogs, him. by the way. They didn't deserve that. The guy's freaking out. He's like, I didn't do anything. I didn't do nothing. I swear. Rorschach doesn't say a word, drags him over, handcuffs him to like a pipe. And he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, please, I didn't do anything. You think this has to do with the little girl, don't you? I didn't do nothing. Rorschach won't say a word. Just not, just staring at him. Starts pouring kerosene all over him. He's like, you got to be kidding me. Stop, stop, please. Arrest me. Take me in. Don't, I need help. Don't do, I need help. And like, he's like, won't say anything to him. Throws down a hacksaw. And he says, um, he says the house is going to burn down in a matter of minutes. Or he's like, in 10, 15 minutes, it'll take too long to saw through the handcuffs. 
The guy's like, you're joking, right? What are you talking about? Throws the match, walks out the house. Do you think uh, this is where the guys that created Saw got their first inspiration? <laughs> right. <laughs> Rorschach then says in his journal, you know, he stands out. You see the flames flickering on him, which is perfect effect in the painting because it's not even moving and you can tell that he's watching flames. It's so well drawn and painted and colored. And uh, that's probably somewhere we can really owe to the colorist there. Yeah, John Higgins. And Rorschach says that he stood there and waited for like an hour, watched the house burn. No one ever came out, left. He wasn't willing to cut his arm off for that. Now in the movie, the the movie's a little different. And he, he's, he's like, please, man. He's like, arrest me. Arrest me. And he goes, men get arrested. Dogs get put down. And, and oh, that's after he hacks into his head yeah, with a fucking just goes to town, butcher knife. Takes away the whole choice. The, you know, the whole, uh, well, you have a choice. You can cut off your arm and get out of here. Or you can burn to death. Or you can probably bleed to death from cutting your arm. But, you know, you have a choice and a chance to live. And I'm not personally going to be the one that's killing you. It's- to me, it's not so much that. It's just the beauty and the well-constructedness of that scene in the comic. Well, well-constructedness as opposed to that word. But also uh, to, to give a little bit of leeway to the movie aspect, when he does that, he had stated that he was still young and new to the whole thing and he hadn't dealt with anything this crazy and he just, he, you know, he just kind of lost it and temporarily. Which he did in the comic too. He killed a motherfucker and in back in the 80s and 86, that was shocking to see a comic where that scene Somebody happened. was killed. Where that dude ignored so him as darkly. he was begging and pleading after killing a child and he handcuffed him, doused him in kerosene, threw him a saw and said, look, saw your fucking arm off or you're dying. Burned the house down, stood outside and watched. That was shocking. And Zack Snyder wanted it to be shocking to contemporary audiences who would find that really tame by today's standards in movies, you know? I wouldn't have. I would have still looked at him and like psychologically. <laughs> ah. But also superheroes, it's all been done before. You know what I mean? So he wanted yeah. to have a scene that was really fucked up. And I get that, but I still like the comics version. But at the better. same time, somebody hacking into another person's skull not by now had been done before too. Just not in a superhero movie. So can we talk the casting in this movie? Sure. I hope it's positive. I mean, Jackie Earl Haley, amazing. Perfect Rorschach. He really was the best you can get for that character. It helps when you've had the comics creator do an impression of the character for you beforehand, too. Like, Alan Moore was in that documentary about Watchmen, and he did Rorschach's voice, and that helps. Of course. uh, Yeah. Oh, my God. He killed it. You know... He wasn't being considered originally. He just made his own tape at home and sent it in. And the director was like, done. No other Rorschach. They're like, uh, at first they're like, what? What's this? The the kid from Bad News Bears. He's got to be like 35 now. Uh, Billy Crudup, Crudup, however you pronounce it, as Dr. Manhattan. What do you think? I, I, I liked it. Every time I watch the movie... I don't... I'm, I'm put off by it at first. Do you know how hard it is to portray emotions without having emotions right you know? he did a good job what i was saying was every time i see it i'm put off by it at first because it's not like what i expect or kind of hear when i read the comic but as i watch the movie i grow to completely it, it replaces the comic version as i'm watching the movie so i think right. he did a great job it's just for some reason every time i see it it takes me you know a little bit to get to get back used to it again ozymandias was okay I didn't picture him as German. That but. was the hit or miss. Well, I mean, his name is Veit. He is German, but I didn't but picture him as But he was an American-born like, person, right? Yeah. So. I think one of the best fucking performances in the movie. Honestly, I feel like 
I got to put it above Jackie O'Haley. Or everybody else seems to say that that was the most amazing stellar performance in the movie. Are you going to say Patrick Wilson? Jeffrey Dean Morgan as oh, okay. the comedian. Okay. Yes, he he was great. I had seen the guy he before, just but like it was to the point where I didn't even consider it was, oh, it's that guy from that show. I was just like, wow, that nailed the fucking comedian. For real. Holy shit. Every scene. And perfect. did you at all look at him and say, huh, he kind of looks like a beefy Robert Downey Jr.? <laughs> no, but I guess I could I sure did. I did. <laughs> uh, Night Owl, perfectly cast. Uh, Patrick Wilson. Went on to be in Insidious and uh, The Conjuring. What about Rain Wilson? They could have cast Rain Wilson <laughs> instead of Patrick Wilson. <laughs> could have cast Luke Wilson. Why not? <laughs> False. <laughs> oh, I, I, well, I'm Night Owl. I want to do a Luke Wilson, but all that comes out is, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Owen. 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 Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> the brothers. <laughs> They're brothers? Yes. I think I must have known that and forgot that. Then I guess my impression's not that off. Boy, Owen, it's a shame you were born with a broken nose with Luke Wilson being your older brother. Um, what was her name? Malin Ackerman played Lori. Yeah. I always want to call her Lori and not Silk Spectre because that's what she kind of is in the story, you know? Um, she was all right. She was hit or miss, I think. Yeah, she had her moments. Uh, sometimes I felt like she was just being like a naggy girlfriend, you know? Like in the, a lot of the times she was like getting mad at John for not being with her. And he's like, he's trying to save the fucking world. It's more than that. There's an emotional dissonance too, though. Yeah. Because that, that's kind of true to the comic. Fair enough. But she's flawed like everybody else. I don't know. Something about it bugged me sometimes. And uh, Moloch was greatly done. Hollis Mason... Perfect. The only uh, way you can get even better is if you would cast Clint Eastwood as Hollis Mason. Okay, that would have been. That would have been the dope. only way you can get wow. better. He couldn't afford Clint Eastwood. Are you kidding me? Also, the original Silk Spectre, very, very well cast. Oh, too. absolutely. She, uh, she was nailed it spot on. I recommend the movie. Um, there's also a. <laughs> I recommend the movie. There's a ultimate cut. Now, while it does have the same amount of particles. <laughs> As Actually, a regular I'm, disc. I, oh, as a regular disc. The disc yeah. itself contains the same amount of particles. Contains the content held within is expanded. <laughs> I don't know. That's probably not true. That's totally not true. But uh, it's four discs, so it has way more particles. Four discs? Mine's just one. The ultimate cut? You have the director's cut. Oh, I have cut. the director's cut. There's an ultimate cut that has everything. The director's cut and the uh, Tales of the Black Friday cartoon interspersed into the story as it is in the comic. Three hours, 35 fucking minutes. Right. But uh, was yours, is yours on DVD? No, it's or a four-disc Blu-ray. Oh, it's a four-disc Blu-ray. I don't know if, it, maybe it was released on DVD also. Maybe, well, because I was just wondering because the whole director's cut fits on one Blu-ray disc. So I, was, I just wasn't sure if it was like, if it was a DVD, maybe there was four discs because two discs were the movie or I don't know. Does the ultimate cut have that with the, with the Black Freighter in it and then just the regular movie and then the special features and then... I don't know. Huh. But it's cool. It's definitely worth checking out if you're a fan of the comic. If you're not and you just want to see the movie for it, just watch the regular version. You don't even need to watch the director's cut, honestly. It's very long. Yeah. I've, also, but by this time, I don't even remember what parts were added into the director's cut that weren't in the theatrical release. Well, Because I've gotten so used to just seeing the director's cut. If you've the read the cut. fucking comic, 
it's totally worth it to stick it out and watch the director's cut. Yeah. If you haven't and don't plan on it, just watch the regular version. It'll be good enough for you and long enough too. I wanted to get into one theory that's been floating around about the Watchmen universe thanks to the movie and in the opening montage sequence where Bob Dylan's singing times they are changing it shows the original Night Owl punching out a criminal in front of the Gotham Opera House with some rich folks behind them yes would that be Bruce Wayne's parents Thomas and Martha there's a Batman poster which is interesting to me because that means that Batman the comic existed at that time but (laughs) Bat Bruce Wayne and Tom and Martha don't think about it too hard you can't you My head just exploded. The psychic waves killed half New York. <laughs> but if there was, um, but, um, 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 rebooting. But yeah, speaking of uh, the, the that opening scene, great intro sequence. Oh, absolutely. The soundtrack to this movie, fantastic. So good. So many almost, songs I love. Almost every song is ripped right from the pages of the comic, whether there be a quote or whether the song's actually playing at a moment in the comic. Yeah. Sometimes and they're used at different times in the when, movie. Uh, but When the songs are put to the scene that they're in, they... It fits perfectly with the tone and mood and what they're trying to uh, trying to achieve with it. Like uh, the times they are changing for the opening about this is what happened, showing what happened from everything from you know the beginning of the Minutemen to that the what was it Keegan Act Keen Act Keen Act Ah oh, damn it the act that banned superheroes uh, to all along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix when. Uh, they're in the which just all the riots are going on. I love it too because that song A is so emblematic of uh, Vietnam. You know what yeah, I mean? It's an absolutely. easy way to to show because it's in every movie where you see Vietnam. Well, also but, the song came out around the time of Vietnam. Yeah, so. and it, and they use that for like every Vietnam movie is the perfect mood song for Vietnam. But it's also if you listen to the lyrics. There, it's foreshadowing. It's telling. It, it relates to the story, and like even in the movie when he looks. It says, uh, off in the distance, a wild cat did growl. And even in the comic, Bubastis notices something coming or something and growls. Yeah. And then he looks up and he sees Rorschach and Night Owl coming. Uh, two, ri- two riders were approaching. Yeah, that's crazy. And the wind began to howl. And it's super windy and snowy outside. And like, That's ridiculous. And, um, of course, my favorite Simon and Garfield song. My favorite Simon and Garfunkel oh, song, "The Sound of Silence," yes. during the comedian's funeral. Oh, if you, even if you hated that man, that would still bring you like to an emotional. And um, again, the lyrics grip. are totally. It seems like they wrote that song about Watchmen for real, and it was written how many years before? <laughs> Maybe Ellen Moore wrote that scene to mirror the song. Not just that scene, <laughs> the themes of the whole story and everything, and like. Oh my God! It's it's amazing. Uh, my hands down favorite version of Hallelujah, Leonard Cohen's voice is just—he's an incredible uh, folk artist. That scene and was a little excessive. I don't care about the scene. The song is amazing. <laughs> I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. It was like he, a, it was like a whole pornographic thing, like just wouldn't end. But the song kind of tried to make it beautiful, <laughs> and he even got himself into the end credits with the song Leonard Cohen. Uh, that is another good song. Night Owl got himself into her end credits, if you oh, know what I'm saying. Oh, oh cha-cha-cha. <laughs> That's my new catchphrase. How's it working? <laughs> um, and and lastly, but not certainly not least, uh, while Doc Manhattan is just destroying the Viet Cong army, Flight of the Valkyrie. 
Perfect. Classic. Perfect. Net, literally classical music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Great soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Um, one song I really liked that didn't make the soundtrack but was used in the trailer was the Smashing Pumpkins slow version of um, what the fuck is the name of that song? The end or the end is the beginning is the end. I think is what it's called. Oh yeah. And I, for a second, I was just like, you go, oh, and this one song that wasn't in the soundtrack, but just want to throw well, in, I liked this song. It's <laughs> a cool song. You should check it out. All about that bass. <laughs> no. Um, oh. Do you, remember, do you know the song I'm talking about? Do you remember uh, the trailer? I don't remember the trailer, no. Uh, and that oh so that was and then you see Night Owl rising up and it's like oh you know what I do know and yeah. I'm Billy Corgan <laughs> starts to sing with his bald head he could have played Doctor Manhattan is it bright where you are yeah yeah and I, know, I know I know what you're talking about change does it make you happy you're so strange strange you do a pretty good Billy Corgan impression. <laughs> I'm kind of shocked. I'm like, do more, please. Can you do tonight, tonight? <laughs> um, do bullet with butterfly wings. I like that song tonight. I never used to like Smashing Pumpkins, and then they just grew on me over the course of like 20 years. <laughs> that was funny. But that song was used in the trailer because Zack Snyder was giving it its due because it was actually a part of the Batman and Robin soundtrack or something. Was it really? Yeah. And it wasn't in the movie and the movie sucked anyway, but that song rocked. Okay. There is uh, one last thing I did want to talk about that still part pertains to the movie and the comic, both if you would Uh, a little surprise for you, Nathan, I really wanted to thank you because I don't know if you remember but you were the person that introduced me to Watchmen. Uh, you were the movie was when coming the movie out. Was coming out. Yeah. The movie was coming out, and and I was like, yeah, that kind of looks cool, but you know, I don't really know. And then you started explaining the story to me, and on your suggestion alone, when the movie came out, I said I wanted to see it, but I decided to wait, and you let me borrow the comic, and and I decided because you said it probably was a better idea. I read the comic first before I saw the movie, and. I think I might have, uh, I don't know, I might have looked at things differently if I had just saw the movie and then like maybe a year or two later I found out about the comic and read it. Yeah. I remember having the conversation with you at work where I said that the Watchmen movie, like, have you seen the trailer? And you're like, I don't know what that is and shit. And I'm like, you ever seen the little smiley face with the blood drift? Yeah, and, and at the time, you um, were like, I got one of the manager kinda... in training actually had the had tattoo. The tattoo that's his, right. Yeah, the smiley face tattoo. That's, I think, what I was remembering was that the manager in training had the tattoo. And I was, we were, we, we were explaining to you what it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then he got into Preacher and, and it, was yeah. all, it, was all, it was all a bunch of darkness and me alone in a, in a locked room with all these comics for days. So a couple years ago, I think it was 2013, they did a series before Watchmen. DC nope. did it. Nope, didn't happen. They gave pretty much each character, a bunch of characters, their own, like six or four or two issue series. And it was all prequels before the Watchmen stories, which obviously, needless to say, Alan Moore was not involved, but they managed to pay off some of the best and brightest in the comic book world to do it. 
Yeah, and he was not happy. He didn't want it to happen. Like I said before, he was like, if you had approached me years ago with this, I might have been aboard. I refused to even pick up an issue and look at it. Like, I refused. Yeah, if if the man who created the source material says he doesn't want this to happen and he's sickened that it did, I will tend to side with him over... and not the just that million dollar comic industry, but it's a story that doesn't need a, it is its own prequel. It encompasses the past, future and present, just like Dr. Manhattan. That's it's kind so, of so layered. It's kind of, but, oh my God, layered. It's so layered. It really is. And it's, it's not, it doesn't need a prequel. It doesn't, the story is contained in that. And I get liking the characters and wanting to see more, but it really didn't need to happen. And from what I hear, it's very underwhelming. And uh, yeah, that's I, that. I heard a couple of uh, a couple of the different titles were decent or pretty good, but overall, at best, the best one was mediocre. I have no desire to read it though. There's also a video game that came out when the movie came out, cheap, you know, downloadable, but it was also released on disc. I heard that was bad too. Yeah. It's just very glitchy, and it. It's called you know, it's, Watchmen. The end is nigh. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like your typical uh, superhero beat 'em up game. It's Warshack and, and Night Owl in the prequel times when they're teaming up to fight, and it yeah and details just, their falling out. It it wasn't given the proper care to the story that they, that was written. It wasn't like an Alan Moore story that you know they were doing, or and it was just pushed out fast and glitchy and crappy and. That's what happens with most titles that are pushed out for movie releases. Yeah, to... licensed games. Fucking A. But Craig. Is there? I, I, I don't know if you... I bet you didn't know this. I bet you... I know well, lots of things. I bet you a lot of people listening didn't know this. I know lots of stuffs. Did you know that there is an official DC-published Watchmen prequel endorsed by Alan Moore? Where? It's a tabletop RPG in the tradition of D&D. Holy shit. Why don't we play it? There's three books, two modules, Watching the Watchmen and Taking Out the Trash, and a Watchmen source book. Okay, I'm tasking you with one task. You find a dungeon master and two other people, and let's play the fuck out of this. <laughs> Get the PDFs, because I ain't paying the fucking whatever the fuck that sells for on eBay. Oh, oh, for the game? Yeah. Oh, so it's probably like very rare and highly valuable? Yeah. Ah, nuts. Basically, though, in taking out the trash, the crime busters investigate a presidential candidate. Nobody could see you do air quotes. <laughs> they could hear it in my voice. They didn't. But basically, it's, it's a new presidential election, and one of the candidates has, times to tie, has ties to crime, and the would-be crime busters are investigating it. They're not a group, but... Oh, would, uh, would it be against Nixon? No, it's a different uh, it's, fictional. It's just a candidate. different two different candidates. There's, I think, like four candidates because there's always those second, third parties. Oh I yeah, no, I'm just joking. nobody ever thinks about an <laughs> independent or green party. Uh, but in who watches the Watchmen, dude? This is the gem of it, dude. It takes place shortly after the dissolution of the Crime Busters meeting when uh, Captain Metropolis in the in the book or Ozymandias in the movie gets them together and tries to get them to to start a new team. And the comedian gets up and burns down the map. He's like, it's never going to happen. The world's going to die anyway. Who gives a fuck? Captain Metropolis leaves there so frustrated with not being able to get them to team up and work together that he orchestrates kidnappings of their loved ones, which point towards the different shady organizations, which he believes 
warrant their investigation. Um, ultimately, he's sort of framing Moloch for all of this, and they end up, you know, the players eventually end up figuring it out. Right. This would be so fun to play because one of the players could play Captain Metropolis and the other players wouldn't know oh, who's shit. behind it unless they yeah. figure it out, but you would tell him ahead of time. And like this sort of influences Ozymandias in his future plans right. and he learns from his mistakes and like Alan Moore collaborated and, and approved this story. You know what I mean? And collaborated of course, with a few Alan details. Moore would be like, yeah, we could do a D and D version of it. Isn't that, insane and then the source book has all the supplemental material from the comics and more it has like night owl's personal inventory and budget and stuff and like oh oh my god it's so cool dude so fucking cool gotta say it's so fucking cool yeah i want it (laughs) that's your nugget of we always try to leave you with something that the other fucking podcasts don't tell you yeah we did it we got it right there Oh, and Nathan, by the way, my birthday's coming up. Thank you. It is kind of. Still got a few months. Uh, yeah, you can start saving now. Sure, I'll download a PDF for you for your birthday. No, no, no. <laughs> I want the authentic original. Buy a flash drive for you. You know what I really want them to do, Craig? I would assume that means you want them to go to the Facebook page. No, we're not there yet. Oh. Not them. Well, them too. Yeah, anyone can go to the Facebook page. Anyone and everyone. Fairpoint Podcast, Facebook.com. I, you know what I want them to see, I want to see them do with Watchmen? Oh, oh, the people that br- brought Watchmen to life? If DC is going to utilize the characters in the world and the, the likenesses and the, the everything. You want Watchmen babies to be a real thing? No. You know what I think they should do legitimately? Okay. Watchmen 2. Hear me out. Here's my pitch. Okay. No. Here's my pitch. So it's, it's in the future. It's, it's current days. But it's still an alternate universe. George W. Bush has been president for mad long. Okay, so it went from Nixon to Bush. Night Owl and Silk Spectre have a kid who's currently operating as Night Owl 3. But he wants to do his own thing, but his dad's just pressuring him to be the next Night Owl. you got to continue the tradition. Little does he know, he really wants to be Silk Spectre 3. (laughs) (laughs) That's some of the subtext. Okay. (laughs) Meanwhile... In the time that's happened, George W. Bush has formed an alliance with the alien squid monsters. <laughs> because they ended up being real. <laughs> Ozymandias made a bunch of them. And, oh, uh, okay. He threw them up in space and said, you know what? Just in case there's plan B. And he, Ozymandias is still sort of a part of it, you know. But Night Owl realizes it's kind of gotten out of control. Night Owl 3. <laughs> and uh, he's like the only person that can help us is Dr. Manhattan. But he's off in space. He's in not another galaxy. involved with Earth anymore. Yeah. So he takes uh, Archie and, and modifies him for space flight and <laughs> goes out to find Dr. Manhattan. It's like the search for Spock, you know, yeah, Watchmen 2, Star Trek 2. You know that place is? That, that but, place called space? Alan Moore would love this. He's a sucker for that type of shit. It's like, oh, and Star Trek 2 is the search for Spock. So Watchmen 2 is the search. Okay, I see where you're going with that. And then... They find Dr. Manhattan, who's like, remember how I said I didn't think there was a God? And if there was, he's not like me. He's like, I was wrong because there is a God. I found heaven. I found God in heaven. And he brings them to heaven where they see Rorschach and they all go back to Earth. So Rorschach made it to heaven. They all go back to Earth because they're like, this is out of hand. Like his plan was supposed to help world peace, but now it's just world domination. They uncover the hidden plot. All the, the dude, we're going to dark victory him where it's like, oh shit. 
the long Halloween was just part one of Dark Victory. And we're like, dude, ever since the beginning, comedian faked his own death, orchestrated the whole thing. Ozymandias was just a (laughs) puppet who couldn't see the strings. And and comedian faked his own death to take over the world with alien squid monsters. I think you've... (laughs) I think you've just become a hypocrite. (laughs) (laughs) Just in case people didn't pick up on my Alan Moore-like subtext. I was was being facetious. I don't want them to actually... No, but seriously, if they did that and, like, you know, knowing full well that they're obviously being facetious and, like, look, we're we're not supposed to make a Watchmen sequel, so we're going to almost lampoon the idea (laughs) of making a Watchmen (laughs) sequel. You'd have to make it a comedy. Like... Not even. What if they just did that and took it so seriously? And like, I, I would kind of be okay with that if it was self-aware and I saw it as that. But you if know, it's self-aware, it can't really take itself that seriously. They, if you, but yeah, if you're going to move forward with the characters, do it in, like you said, a comedy, a comedic way or a parody type way or a way that is clearly acknowledging the ridiculousness of it. Yeah, the fact or, that this shouldn't be happening. Merchandise. I'll buy a Rorschach t-shirt and toy. You know what I want? A fucking kid robot line. Oh, my boxes. God. They'd be perfect. You got all the Rorschach, you know, all the main characters. Who's the rare chase? You got chase? all the Minutemen. Um, you got the, the chase would be Walter Kovacs. Oh, with the his, end is nice sign. sign. And uh, let's see who else would be in there. Oh, there'd be two different versions of Comedian. The older one and the Bloody. new one. <laughs> no, <laughs> the, yeah, not. right. Um, you could make a Moloch. Definitely throw Moloch in there. Uh you could even do Richard Nixon. <laughs> Bubastis. There's yeah, got to be a Bubastis one. The the little cloned animal. Beautiful, majestic beast. I'm so mad that he killed it. <laughs> that would be awesome. You could do... What about any of the villains? There's actually a good amount of villains mentioned. Yeah. There's the Screaming Skull is mentioned and is briefly seen um, when Night Owl is remembering fighting the... His foes. Okay. It shows him punching the screaming right, skull, this right. guy with a skull mask. Um, but. It, it With a name like that, you kind of think it's a Venture Brothers villain. <laughs> uh, there's King Mob, who the only evidence for their existence is in, I think, when they have the Crime Busters meeting. Like, on the wall, there's a gorilla a mask. Poster. No, a mask of a gorilla, and it says, like, King Mob's mask or something. Oh. Um, Captain Axis... Uh, Hollis says, like, this is the right hook that took down Captain Axis, oh, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. He's like a Nazi villain. Uh, Captain Carnage was the guy that would was a masochist and would pester people to punish him. And Rorschach, uh, and yeah. Rorschach dropped him down a, down a little uh, elevator shaft? Yeah, it? probably not a little one. A, a big one. <laughs> you got punished, all right. Uh, Twilight Woman, she signed, was it in the movie where she signed a picture and gave it to Night Owl? Yeah, yeah. She was one of his villains that he put away. And uh, there's Big Figure, of course, the little midget guy in prison. The guy, yep. There's Jimmy the Gimmick and the Liquidator, who are both liquidators in before Watchmen. So fuck Liquidator. But he's a Nazi villain who killed the silhouette. And Jimmy the Gimmick was in the video game. Okay, in the video game. And then I guess there's someone named King of Skin, like a TV says something about the king of skin being taken in by Ozymandias or something. I don't know. Though that's the rich tapestry of villains that there are to choose yeah, from. And of the, course Moloch. 
Of course. They didn't really talk about Moloch, but he was like a magician guy and he eventually he, was yeah, dying he of cancer. Yeah, he thought they had um, brain powers or some shit, like mind control. Or, or was he just like, here's... He didn't have powers. No uh, one had powers. He no, was... no, but like he tried to play it off like he did. Okay. <laughs> but in reality, it was just like, there's a quarter behind your ear. So let's see if we can do the same thing. You listening. We're waving our fingers in the air. You can't see it, but we're doing it. No, not flashback fingers oh, in the air. Oh, not the like flashback hypnotizing fingers? fingers. You're getting sleepy. You're not getting sleepy. You're still You're listening and navigating. comprehending. You're navigating on your web browser to our many ways to support us, like Facebook. And you're, Twitter. You're finding our Facebook. You're clicking like. By the way, it's we keep forgetting quote unquote forgetting it's high time craig we acknowledged the victors good our match old chap. blurry photos won the facebook war because you ungrateful fucks whoa whoa, let, you whoa, know what? whoa you know what i said i wasn't take it gonna, easy man take I said it easy, i wasn't man. gonna chastise they our listeners. are still keeping us going yeah no i kid you guys are fucking awesome uh but no blurry photos did win the like war on facebook we said we were gonna set a goal 400 first 400 wins and we can stop this pointless fighting before the world is destroyed in uh, nuclear detonations everywhere so basically what happened was we waved the white flag before vite had to put a giant mutant i was actually fighting for how about we just send a giant alien squid to chicago (laughs) and uh, just kill half the people in chicago you know statistically we're bound to at least get one of the daves and and blurry photos but craig was like no let's just on the podcast crown them the victor like we said we would and i'm like always got to take the fucking difficult way out i had a crew of writers artists poets scientists philosophers scientists i had i had neil degrasse tyson fathead on my wall (laughs) ready to dispense good advice you were trying (laughs) Debbie Gibson kept chiming in. We're like, shut the fuck up, Debbie Gibson. What a throwback. I love it. (laughs) Favorite fatheads. Who was the third? Uh, I don't know. Tom Brady. (laughs) Bruce Campbell, right? Oh, of course. It had to be. Yeah, it was Bruce Campbell. I think that was the first, your first choice. If you don't know what we're talking about, go find our rich library of episodes on anywhere you can find podcasts. iTunes, uh, Podbay. Or you can just Google it if you don't have like, any of those. like You know, you find our podcast on Google. <laughs> it's on Google now. It's on, we're on YouTube, and we do all sorts of cool shit on YouTube. We do sometimes put just episodes up with slides of related pictures, but we also do exclusive stuff, loot crate unboxings, uh, clips with cool videos added to them. Yeah, it's, to, to accentuate the awesomeness of the clip. It's, it's cool. We're doing some cool shit, vlogs even, movie reviews, all sorts of shit. Check it out, Fairpoint Podcast on YouTube, on Facebook. Um, on Twitter, it's at Fairpoint Pod. Yeah, on Twitter. Next week, we're going there. Another fan request. Oh, we, we said it. We're doing it. An ex-man, if you would. Yes. Do Still we, a man. Do, do we, do we but, tell him who it is, or do we make him wait a little bit? Yeah, let's make him wait. You know, yeah. if it was requested on the Facebook page, so if it you was. followed the Facebook page, you, you might, might know. know. Uh, Who's the only ex-man on the Facebook page requested? Yeah, it's one of the X-Men has been requested. My favorite X-Men. I thought you were going to say your favorite listener. That too. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, we're going to do your episode next week. 
I guess, yeah, stay on the edge of your toes. And you know what? If you follow the Facebook page, we'll post like pictures and you'll know yeah, who of it course. is. So. You know, in the heartbeat. Uh, well, that was our Watchmen episode. At least it ended well. Don't be ridiculous. Nothing ever ends. Well. <laughs> or just ends. I'm Nathan K. And I'm Beyond Names. Final journal entry. Giving it to only people I can trust. Nathan and Craig's listeners. They're Perfect. cool. They are cool. Then I'm going to leave a rating on iTunes. Just in case I don't return from Antarctica. Thanks. Thanks.